Hey everybody, how are we all? Great, my name's Ben. I'm the leader of this absolutely beautiful community. Who's absolutely so blessed that they're a part of something so great where we, find, where we want all people to find their way? Come on, we could do better than that. Come on, we're not. I've got a really powerful message for you today. I think it's right in me today, guys. It's right here. And so I don't know if you're up for it, if you've had enough coffee um, or enough Red Bull or whatever it is that you drink, but I'm ready to do some business. Is anybody ready? Are you ready? Okay, pack it in. Right. If you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, you can simply go online or you can go on our app. If you go on the Way app, there's a link in the menu that will take you to a Bible. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. The book of Matthew, chapter 6. Verses 21 to 24, any version that you like. Jesus, in this book, uh, the book of Matthew, who Matthew wrote this book, um, Jesus is talking to the crowd about a lot of different things, and he's, and this portion of the the um, the story, Jesus is really nailing the colours to the mass when it comes to money, consumerism, greed, anxiety around money. What better way to start the year than to talk about Jesus and money? So he, here we go, Matthew six twenty one. For where, this is Jesus speaking, so where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The, another, another way you could say it is, um, I can see your values in your bank account. So if I was to go into your bank, I could see what you value based on what you, you spend on. Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness indeed? You cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate, uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Verse twenty-four says this: You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. And this word money is the word mammon. Another um, writer in the Bible is talking about the same story, and it's in the book of Luke, and it'll just be on screen so you can read along, and it's Luke chapter 16, and it says this, no worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second, or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. When the Pharisees, who were the religious people, when the Pharisees, a money-obsessed bunch, heard him say these things, they rolled their eyes, dismissing him as hopelessly out of touch. Sounds like a politician to me. So Jesus spoke to them, you are masters at making yourselves look good in front of others, but God knows what's behind the appearance. Here we go. What society sees and calls monumental, God sees. God sees through and calls monstrous. The title of the message today is Jesus or Mammon. Jesus or Mammon. So what is Mammon or who is Mammon? Well, whenever we talk about money, 
uh, we need to understand that we're talking about the spirit of money, not money itself. This Hebrew word mammon means um, the motive to accumulate. The motive to accumulate. That's what we're talking about. Do you love accumulating wealth more than you do love Jesus? Here's another example for you. The debasing influence of material wealth or dishonest money. Personal gain becoming more important than personal sacrifice. Here's another way of putting it. Mammon is fearing money more than fearing God. In 1 Timothy 6, which is another book in the Bible, this guy called Paul talks a lot about money to a bunch of people like you and me. So Mediterranean people who money is the sun in our universe and we all orbit around it. He said this in 1 Timothy 6.10. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of things. Not money. God's not got a problem with money. It's the love of money. This is mammon. It's the love of money or the fear of money or the anxiety around money or the influence of money. It's not about money. See, there's nothing wrong with coins because it's just this one penny, which is worth about half a penny right now. But this one penny, this one penny, God has not got a problem with and neither have I. Because when we talk about money, we're talking about spirit, not flesh. Paul, again, writes a little bit later on in the book of Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Because this isn't about money, it's about mastery. It's not about money, it's about mastery. And here in this scripture, this Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is asking us today and the people then, who do you serve? Who's your master? Is it mammon or is it God? God's not a problem with money. And don't be mistaken that this is about people who have more than other people because mammon affects us all. Have you, ever ne- have you ever met someone who's not got a lot of money and all they seem to do is worry about the money they have? And then you'll turn around and talk to another person who's got tons of money and they're still just as worried about what they have. Because mammon affects everybody. Whether you have a lot or have a little, it doesn't matter. This mammon, this, this, this spirit infects us all. Let me put it another way. We all have anxiety and fear and misunderstandings when it comes to finance. But this isn't about what you have. This is about who has you. Oh, gosh, you need to remember, that's a good one. I came up with our upstairs about 15 minutes ago. That's a good one, that one. Because it's not about what you have. It's about who has you. So who's the biggest influence in your life? Is it fear? Is it greed? Oh, just hang on. Don't get me fired up too, too soon because there's... Um, I've got at least another four hours left to speak. Here's something I'm really sick of. I'm sick of mammon. Sick and tired of the spirit of mammon in everyone's lives. I'm sick of the fakeness and the image-drivenness of society where every time I open up Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, which is about every five seconds, I always feel like they're trying to sell me something. Buy this. Do this, become that. You know, I'm also sick of 
a poverty mentality. Just a poverty mentality where, where, where mammon makes us feel guilty for the blessings of God that he has rightly given to you. A sense of self-judgment. Just because someone's in this place, I must, I must feel guilty and self-debase myself. No, 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 no. Listen, if one of my kids, I bless them with, a, say, a Christmas, I bless them with a toy, I don't want to sit there playing with the toy, like feeling all guilty that I've given it to them and not, and not Hannah, my wife. I want them to love that toy, enjoy it, because I paid for that toy, and I want them to enjoy it. And this is the same with God. God wants us to enjoy what we have in this poverty mentality breeds guilt and fear. So today, guys, I'm going to choose to serve God, not money. I'm going to be very honest with you. God is going to be my master, not mammon. There's been a, the reason why I know this stuff is spiritual is because people have just really enjoyed criticizing us at the minute for... <laughs> But all of my ear, for some reason, they care too much about us. They don't even come. They just phone up. It's like, hey, can I tell you how much I don't like you? Oh, by the way, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm all forgiving. I disagree with this about first fruits. Oh, what you're doing with first fruits? One of the one of the one of my associate leaders was on the phone to them, you know, being very kind, and she was trying to explain where the heart is for it and our integrity with our finances. If you're really that bothered, go and look on the internet anyway and find out what we... But at the end of the day, she, she literally just said, you know, I'm just going to have to put the phone down because I'm not talking to a woman. I'm talking to mammon. I'm talking to this spirit that is just like, ugh, keep people poor, keep the church poor. No, I believe in an ever-increasing kingdom from strength to strength, from glory to glory. So sorry if we want to be a church that blesses a town... That you come on, somebody. I'm not. I'm gonna start a fight today. I want to be. A, I want to be a community so large and so wide that anybody, I don't care who they are or how they are, can come here and find the way to Jesus. And I'm not gonna do that by standing here and breeding fear in a congregation. I'm gonna breed faith. It is by grace through faith that we're saved. So mammon is just a big issue. Do you know, in the last few months, we have had many, many married couples contact us and say, hey, we, just, we, need, we need a bit of help at the minute. Either they're in a really bad state and they need some reconciliation, or they're just struggling after all this pandemic mess and raising kids. And, and over the last few months, we as a leadership team have been noticing this effect on our community. And, and Siobhan said last week about how she's really, uh, marriages are on her mind. And I just want to say today, Satan, you can get your hands off the married couples in way, in the name of Jesus. At the end of this message, I'm going to declare some breakthrough over your relationship. I'm not here standing up saying, you know, well, let's just all get on. No, forget that. Let's put Jesus on the throne. Let's make him the master. And suddenly his presence and his spirit will just manifest in your relationship. I'm just tired of all this spiritual rubbish. God wants us here doing something for his kingdom. He wants us here loving our neighbors, forgiving our enemies, giving to the poor. He wants us to live a big life. When mammon wants to keep us small. I'm not sure that Jesus really cares what you give. I think he's more bothered about who you serve. So in Matthew chapter 6, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart is. 
you spend on what you serve. So, way, is it going to be Jesus or mammon this year? It's up to you. Is it going to be Jesus or mammon? Let's, let me ask it this way. Is it going to be the coin or the cross? Is it going to be the coin or the cross? Because this pales in comparison to the love of Christ that is freely available for all of us. Did this die for you? No. Did this rise again for you? No. So why are we so scared of it? Why? It's mammon, man. I'm sick of it. <clears throat> You're not used to me being so negative, are you? You're like, I want the funny guy. Okay, all right. <clears throat> what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you some ways that mammon manifests itself. And then I'm going to show you why first roots is so important and how that is the front line against mammon. And then at the end, I'm going to pray for you and your bank account. And we're going to worship Jesus. Is that okay? Come on, is that okay, everybody? Okay, great. Mammon manifests in many different ways. Whether you're rich, poor, young, old, doesn't really matter. Manifests in different ways. Here's a few ways it manifests. Number one, in grief. It manifests in grief. If you serve mammon with your money, if he's your mammon's your master, then you tend to grieve more with your money. But when you serve God, there is a sense of gratitude that grows. I've had some recent bills recently um, that we've had to pay for. And do you ever just do that thing where you pay for something and you're kind of just like, I'm so annoyed that I have to do this. So annoyed, you know, and you're giving the, mecha you know, the mechanic evils. And he's just like, I'm just fixed your car. It wasn't my fault. But yeah, I'm going to boop, boop, you know. And we all have a sense of grief around money. We all have this thing with us that we just, it's true. Like if you give something or you pay for something that you didn't really want to, then we have a sense of grief. But mammon goes further than that. It builds a sense of, sense of resentment and bitterness that lasts for a long time. Grief says things like this. He took my money, my money, it's mine. Whereas those who follow God know that it was never theirs in the first place. <laughs> Do you know that's why you should steward your money? Because you're just stewarding it, you're not owning it. No one ever gets up here and says, you've got to own your money because you don't own money. Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills, my friend. He created the entire universe and he owns every piece of land in this world. So it's not mine in the first place. I can't lose anything that isn't mine. Because ownership is an illusion. Think, think about it this way. We don't have to give, we get to give. Think about the privilege in that one statement. The privilege that you have something to give in the first place. We don't have to give, we get to give. This is a good one. This is a happy chappy one for you. Mammon makes you fearful, but God makes you cheerful. It's good, isn't it? Grief or gratitude, when mammon's the master, it creates grief. When God's the master, it creates gratitude. Or second thing is this, security or a false sense of security. And this is a personal one for me because how mammon attacks me more specifically as a human being is that it makes me think that the more I have, the safer I have, uh, the safer I am. So I just got to fill up the coffers for a rainy day. Not just a rainy day, but the rainy days to end all rainy days. It's the kind of rainy day where Noah's thinking, Should, do you need me back there? Should I go back there? You know, just build up the coffers and some. But the thing is, mammon will never look after you when you get sick. Never. And I wanted to sh show you this. Um, there's a, um, 
A painting that um, I painted, no, I didn't. Uh, George Watts painted in the 1800s. Stick it up, guys. This painting is called Mammon. And all the way through the, the, the kind of Reformation in the, in the sort of 18, 19, and 20th century, the Mammon started to make an appearance again. And this is what George imagines he looks like, right? It's not a physical form, you understand? It's just an illustration. Notice the absolute domination that a fear or a greed of money has over it, has over them on this picture. The foot's on his chest, the hands on the head, and the people just look passed out. He don't look particularly happy. I've seen people like that in the bus stop in Lee. <laughs> look at those skulls on the throne. Oh, I want to talk about a different kind of throne, but you're going to have to wait till the end. But this is the effect of mammon on our life. And what we do is got bags and purses. And what we do is throw money in certain ways in order to appease our fear or our greed. But when the time comes where you need someone to stick up for you, this guy ain't here anymore. Because he doesn't care. When it comes to trouble, when it comes to trial, when it comes to pain and illness, there is only one name. One name that your lips can stammer out the words of in order to hold back the forces of darkness. But the problem is this, is that mammon creates this illusion of security, but God requires you to serve other people with your money. So instead of accumulation, it becomes distribution. And it's funny, isn't it, that you can look more like God when you empty yourself than you do when you fill yourself. That that's why, guys, that's why giving feels so good. Because every time you give some, someone something, every time you follow God in what, with your money, you look like a dying savior on a cross that emptied himself so that you can be full. So much affirmation and filling comes from when we serve God. So e money, I've noticed, is this. It's either a master, a mystery, or a ministry. <laughs> it's either your master and you're just serving whatever it is that's emotionally, you're trying to, trying to fill the gaps with your money or your stuff. It's either a mystery where people don't know how to save, they don't know how to invest, they don't know how to build a portfolio, they don't know any of that stuff, or it's a ministry. And I love the fact that we belong to a church community Men and women in this room today that treat their money like a ministry that have just given faithfully over the years, over the decades, and now we're in this beautiful place with beautiful people serving him with our finance. Last year, there's um, a, a woman who, um, who pledged some money towards First Fruits, right? And, um, and it got to December and she still hadn't fulfilled, which is really unusual. You have about eight weeks to fulfill it to maximize the gift. Anyway, it was in December and basically she'd gone through a horrendous time. There was lots of stuff going on and she had a real sort of distrust towards God, right? And anyway, it just bugged her. It just bugged her like, should I, should I just fulfill this gift? Should I, should I finish? Anyway, um, one Monday she thought, I'm caving in. Uh, she... Uh, before work or in the morning at work, she gave, um, she, she fulfilled her first fruits pledge. And guess what was waiting for her at home when she got back from work? It was a letter from the HMRC. Guess how much the rebate was for? The exact amount she given. 
when you serve me, when you serve God, he'll never make you go without. The third thing is prosperity or peace. Mammon will tell you this, I will make you prosperous in the eyes of other people. Jesus says, I will give you peace. Peace always produces prosperity. Prosperity really produces peace. (laughs) Contentment, wholeness, truth, inner strength. And by the way, God's really happy with stuff. He's not got a problem with that. Wearing some Nikes this morning. Hope you like them. Wearing a t-shirt that has got stains on it. Well, I've got two kids. I don't care. It's a season of life. I wear stuff. You know what I mean? It's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have a holiday, a house, a car. It's not all right to own a Manchester United t-shirt, but that's a different topic in altogether. But, you know, there are some caveats. God's all right with stuff. I think he's more bothered about you recognizing him as the prince of peace instead of recognizing mammon as the prince of prosperity. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but yet you still have peace. If you're new to way, you could, you could be under the illusion that this church is all about money. You come onto a beautiful site with a big old building. Don't ask us what our electric bill is, but a big old building with a big old screen with all this affluence and you would be wrong to think that we are all about money because we're all about Jesus. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Don't let mammon convince you of a lie that God isn't bothered about. You know, God doesn't need your money doesn't he needs you to need him more than money and if you're offended or you're angry then say hi to mammon for me a few weeks ago brilliant guy he's got an awesome name he uh, he came up to me at the end of the gallery said ben i've had enough um the business is a charity business non-for-profit business is started um it's not, the business partner isn't working out. It's not going to, um, to the, I think the band might be gathering. Don't come up yet. I'm going to go over. Give me five more minutes, yeah? You ever seen that in a talk at Way? The band comes up and Austin's like, hurry up. You ran over. Five minutes. Really passive, aggressive way saying, yeah, thank you. Um, he said, it's not working out with my, my business, but I love him, but his ways aren't changing. I'm getting some grief at work from the guys, and all I want to do is just, just kind of uh, do something really charitable with the stuff. The, the reality is I want to st- step out and do it on my own, but I need, I, I, need, I need money to do that. I need a cash injection. I need uh, a business model. I don't know how to do it. And those were the three problems. He said, I need to sort this issue out with my business partner. I need some cash injection to get a new building and then I need someone to help me build the business. A week later, well, on that Sunday actually, randomly, me and a friend of mine, we were talking to him and, and we were kind of just saying, yeah, God can do that. Yeah, God, have you done everything you can? Uh, are you doing a good steward? Yeah, I've done everything. I can. 
my friend just said, well, just give it to God. It's all faith. And he said, I am going to give it to God, right? A week later, he comes back and said, Ben, on Monday morning when I got into the office, my business partner spoke to me and he said, I want to hand over my side of the business to you. I've been thinking about it. I'm causing a lot of drama. There's a lot of things going on. And really, I'm just happy just being on staff. To, can, can, just keep me on staff, but you take the business. And he said, well, all right, if you're sure. And then he said on the Wednesday, was it Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember, one of those two days, he got a phone call from the council who've got a new initiative. They've hired someone to help community uh, interest businesses um, to kind of get up and running because they serve the community. So he gets a call from this guy saying, hey, my name's XYZ from here. Um, I want to talk to you about some funding that we can give you uh, to help you do your work. Um, but also, I I've been hired by the council, so you don't need to pay me. And I'll help you build a three-year business plan in order to balance the books. <laughs> now, if you were that guy, let me tell you, you'd be jumping out your seat. There you go, guys. He did everything. He stewarded his money. He was like, man, I'm not going to let fear or worry or greed bother me. Instead, I'm going to say, okay, God, it's over to you. And he gave it to God. And in one week, God sorted all that out. Peace. Peace. Service. Gratitude. Man, there's more. Um, let me tell you more about mammon. Mammon cannot buy you friends. But Jesus will bring you into his family. Mammon will, will make you feel inferior, but God will bring you influence. Mammon will make you greedy, but God will make you generous. Mammon will bring you status, but God will keep you safe. Mammon produces pride, but God produces humility. Listen to this one. Mammon will breed insecurity, but God will bring incorruptibility. Poof. Mammon will make you fear, fail, falter, flop, flip out, sell out, lose out, crash out, and buy out, uh, bow out. But God will strengthen your soul, silence the lion, shut down the liars, seal up the hole, stand side by side with you. He will abide in you and change you and forgive you and provide for you and walk along with you. And not even the gates of hell, which is the postcode of mammon, can stand against what's on your life. If anybody's looking at a God-sized vision this year, hear, hear me when I say this. Mammon will only bring anxiety, but God will bring the anointing. It's an old school word. Yeah, come on, one person. I know what that word means. Yes. It's an old school Christian word. And it means that there is a pour over on your life that is just favor and grace. And it's not for personal gain because you'll only end up on a cross like Jesus did. But if you're anxious, go to God and he will give you the anointing. And if you want to know what that word means, then you can email one of the staff about it. Okay. Um, band, thank you. You can come up now. Appreciate that. Look at all the power I have right now that I can stop Austin and Paul and the tide of Chelsea coming on stage. Look at this. I'm away making those. So, who is it going to be, Way? Is it going to be Mammon or Jesus? Let me tell you why first fruits is so important at this time of year. First fruits is the front line against mammon. 
because it fights against the spirit of it where we give a, an offering generously, a well above and well beyond any tither offering we give to make sure that Jesus is first in our life. That instead of spending it on frivolous things, we store it up and we give it to God as a way to say thank you. Now, for some of you in here, you might not have heard um, the story of First Fruits before, and I'm going to tell it to you now. And if you've been here for a long time and you've heard about First Fruits, I want to bring it to you in a bit of a different way. Is that okay? I'm going to take you to a book with the weirdest name ever in the Bible. Are you ready for it? It's the book of Deuteronomy. If you're dyslexic, I am so, so sorry that I am making you figure that out, right? Deuteronomy. Uh, you can play it any time, guys, if you want to. That's absolutely fine. I don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you go. Deuteronomy chapter 26. You don't need to find your way there, but you can. But it's going to be on screen. And in this book... They're talking about the Feast of First Fruits, or Bikram, as it used to be called, the Feast of First Fruits. Got to take 10 more minutes. Okay, guys, I know I'm going over, but we're going to do something pretty special at the end. Deuteronomy chapter 26. This is what um, God and the priests are saying to the people of Israel as they're in nation building mode. They're figuring out practical rhythms and principles they want to set in order to keep the nation of Israel focused on the right, on the right thing. And so this is when they're talking about the Feast of First Fruits, what it means and what it looks like. So this is it. Once you enter the land that God, your God, is giving you as an inheritance and take it over and settle down, you are to take some of all the first fruits that you've grown in the land that God, your God, has given you and put them in a basket and go to the place God, your God, sets apart for you to worship Him. Let's just go back a bit. Verse 1. Thanks, Derek. Put, put verse 1 back up on screen for me. Verse 1, yeah. It says, once you enter, once you enter that land. So every year we enter a land known as 2022, 2023. We enter this land. And every time we do, at the start of every year, we take some of the first and the best of what we have. And we give it as an offering to God. But if you notice, it also says your God is giving you. Because this offering of first fruits recognized that God gave us everything that we have in the first place. In essence, we are returning a portion of something that he already owns. It wasn't just my hard work that produced what I have. It's also his grace. There's also that word inheritance in there. You are a child of God. He is a king and you're a prince and princess. And he is bestowing upon you your birthright. This word sum, sum of what you grow, God uh, doesn't ask for all of it. He asks for the first and the best of it. That's why it's not quantitative, it's qualitative. For some people that's 10 pounds, for some people that's 20,000 pounds. This is about the first and the best of what you've accumulated. In fact, in, the, in this tradition, what they used to do, farmers used to go around the field and as the fruit began to ripen, they used to tie these tiny ribbons around individual fruits. They used to say, okay, that's God's. That was the first to ripen. It looks like the best. And they used to spend time doing that. And then at some point, they would go around, collect them all and put them in a basket. And then they would take it to the place set aside for worship. And that's why the first fruit doesn't go to anywhere else other than in the church. This is the place set aside for worship let's carry on thanks Derek verse 3 says this at that time 
Go to the priest who is there and say, I announce to God, your God, today that I've entered the land God promised our ancestors. You are, God is promising you stuff. And what you're living in is a promise. And this is about us giving back from that promise. Verse 4, the priest will take the basket from you and place it on the altar of God, your God. Next week, we're not going to have just one box here. There are going to be baskets around. Baskets for us to give into. Mimicking this. In fact, what they used to do in, in this time over the a few hundred years is that um, in First Street's time there used to be a, a street leading up to the temple and people would carry the baskets and there would be songs and of joy and celebration all along the way where people would cheer each other on and as they would go up to the temple and, and give it to God up there. That's the same sense of uh, celebration we're going to be doing and the baskets we're going to, as a lead team we're going to be praying over them, thanking God and blessing the givers. And then there's just a chunky prayer here that I just want to read all in one. Verse 5, And there in the presence of God, your God, you will recite. And this is the prayer of every person giving their first fruit. A wandering Aramean was my father. That's, that's Abraham. He went down to Egypt and sojourned there. And then this turns into the, to Moses. And he, and just a handful of his brothers at first, but soon they became a great nation, mighty and many. The Egyptians abused and battered us in a cruel and savage slavery. We cried out to God, the God of our fathers, and he listened to our voice. He saw our destitution, our trouble, our cruel plight. And God took us out of Egypt with his strong hand and long arm, terrible and great with signs and miracle wonders. And he brought us to this place, gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. So here I am, God. Here I am. I've brought the first fruits of what I've grown on this ground that you gave me, O oh God. Then place it in the presence of God, your God, and prostrate yourselves in the presence of God. You just keep saying, your God, your God, your God. Because first fruits is about us retelling a story year after year after year. In verse 11 it says, and rejoice, celebrate all the good things that God, your God, has given you and your family, you and the Levite and the foreigner who lives with you. Next week, we're going to celebrate all the good things that God has given us. We're going to rejoice. It's a party atmosphere. We're going to praise his name and enjoy some good food together afterwards. Because we do not choose grief. We do not choose fear. We do not choose greed. Here's another definition of first fruits. When you put your money where your master is. First fruits is where you put your money where your master is. So that's why first fruits is really important because it goes toe to toe with mammon at the start of the year. And it's up to you to respond. It's up to you to give that. You know what first and best is. You might put something in, and in the book of Luke, people might think it's monumental. Wow, look at that monumental gift. God might, God sees it. And he might call it monstrous. But that's for you and him to judge. I'm here asking you today, who will you serve, way? Jesus or mammon? And if you're here for the first time, if that's a heavy topic, you've come for the first time, you know, keep coming and you'll see a more of a rounded picture. Okay, I'm pretty much done now. Um, but this is... Someone asked, someone asked, like, randomly, 
why aren't the kids in kids' church on first through Sunday? You know, we give them activity packs and all that kind of stuff. It's a shorter gathering. But why do we do it? And, and there's a great uh, verse in the book of Exodus that, that talks about this first fruits principle. And it's in Exodus 13, verse 14. When the time comes and your son asks you, what does this mean? You tell him, God brought us out of Egypt, out of a house of slavery with a powerful hand. One day, our kids are going to ask us. My girl is going to ask me, Dad, why are you giving so much? And I'm going to tell her this. Sweetheart, when I was uh, younger, before I met your mom and I met Jesus, met Jesus first, met your mom, so I got saved twice. Before I followed Jesus, I wasn't the best guy. I lied. I lusted. I wasn't the worst, but I wasn't a great guy. Because the reality is I was a slave to so many things. And I'm going to tell it this. The reason why we're doing first fruits is because one day, God brought me out of that house of slavery with a mighty hand. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm not a slave to the stuff. I'm not a slave to mammon anymore. I'm a slave to something much higher, and it's called grace, and it's called love, and it's called mercy. And so the reason why the kids are with us is so we can demonstrate and retell the story of just how grateful we are, just how undeserving we are, just how miraculous God is, that in this destitute world, we have something to give and we can give it to God, the first and the best. Derek, put that image back on screen for me, that, uh, that picture of Mammon. Because guys, this is what we're up against. That's what we're fighting against. He's on this throne made of paper and coin. And do you know what the ministry is called next week on First Fruit Sunday? It's called Crown the King. Because we're going to be dethroning Mammon and rethroning Jesus. And the vile and disgusting and fear-forcing and peace-corrupting and joy-taking that all the darkness has, we are going to come together in a shout of victory. That Jesus, whom will sit on the throne, is an all-compassionate and loving God, slow to anger. That he is the one that gave it all in the first place, so that I could have everything I need. And those who call on that name will be saved. That's the kind of king that we're going to put on the throne. Okay, look, I've gone well over time. I kind of don't care. And I kind of do. But I felt it was important. Okay, why don't we jump to our feet? I want to pray for your bank account. Okay, stage team, you can take these away because we're going to sing together. And we're going to pray. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, Ollie. <clears throat> so, Mammon, false sense of prosperity, creates greed, creates this just this oh, inferiority. And thank you for staying with me. You're used to 20-minute punchy talks. This has been more of a drawn-out thing. 
but we're going to sing together now. Um, someone better tell Kids Church that the kids aren't ready to come out yet. Tell them it's going to be another two days yet until we uh, get done. But anyway, enough joking. Um, the spirit of Mammon's here. Um, I can see it on some faces. I can, I've heard it in people's lives. So I want to pray for you. And this is what we're going to pray for. Maybe we should sing a song first, actually. We'll sing a song. But I'm going to get up after this song, and then I'm going to pray for anybody that's anxious around money this year. I'm going to pray for anybody that's been really fear-driven, or maybe you've been challenged about pride around your money. Uh, maybe you feel like, oh, am I a Pharisee? I thought I was a good guy. Is there anything in me? So we're going to pray for all that stuff, and ultimately so that Jesus is our master. So I'll let all that sit.